Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's your boy, Delano Sapporo. Can I say it's your boy yet, or am I still, have I graduated to that status, or am I still at, it's your host, uh, founder and financial advisor, New Street Advisors Group. So we're having a lot of questions this week about the stock market. So I'm having a lot of, you know, interviews and, and, and meetings with clients and prospective clients. And a lot of people are asking about the stock market. There's just a lot of uncertainty, haziness about literacy when it comes to stocks, buying and selling securities, and understanding everything that goes around that. And so I wanted to kind of maybe even do a two-part, three-part series and talk to people to just understand the base bare bones of the stock market and exactly you know what the stock market means, what are some of the terms and help people understand. So if we just start, what is the stock market? In a nutshell, this is where you can buy and sell securities. The, the, the place where you can buy and sell securities, the stock market is you know generally where people buy and sell securities. And so what are securities? That's stocks, bonds, mutual funds, exchange trade funds, treasury securities, and those are some terms we will go over in more detail, but you want to remember that the stock market is, is generally that's the term, like, oh, I'm buying, I'm investing in the stock market because you're investing, you're buying in securities. So when you think about the stock market in whole, you may see, oh, the Dow Jones, the NASDAQ, the S&P was up today or was down today. What does that mean? Those are major indexes that are used to track the performance of the stock market. So the Dow Jones, S&P 500 and the NASDAQ are those indexes that are used to track the performance of the stock market. So when the index drops, it means the average value of the stocks in the index is down from the previous business day. Conversely, when the index is on the rise, it means that the average value of the stocks in that index is up from the previous, from the prior day. So when you're talking about the Dow Jones, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, they have, they're composed of different stocks and their average value is taken and it's tracked. And that's how you get, you know, a barometer of how the stock market is doing at a particular point in time. It was those three indexes, the major ones that are looked at by investors and the people that follow and track the stock market. Uh, you can think of the stock market as a safe and regulated auction house. So, you know, if you buy and sell off of Craigslist or something, that's not necessarily safe and, and regulated uh, for to, to an extent, um, but the stock market obviously is. So it's safe and regulated auction house where buyers and sellers, us in the, in the retail market or in the institutional market as well, can negotiate prices and trade for investments. It's really just a place where we can negotiate prices and trade for investment purposes. When you hear the word stock exchanges, these are the actual markets where companies shares are traded so it's the actual marketplace so stock exchange is the actual marketplace where the company's shares are traded so you may have heard of the new york stock exchange or the nasdaq those are stock major stock exchanges where the actual company shares trade uh that's where you uh, that's where people are buying and selling that's where the that essentially the marketplace is taking the marketplace uh, essentially so let's break down. We mentioned the word securities earlier. So you are you understand the stock market. Like, okay, if I want to 
buy and sell for investment purposes. I need to look at the stock market because that's regulated. That's a regulated place where I can buy and sell securities. Uh, I understand, you know, now what major indexes. I understand I can track the, the major indexes of the stock market and see how it's doing from the prior day in the historical sense and look at that. Now I actually want to buy and sell securities. So what can I buy? The first thing is obviously a stock, which is a public share. And it's a share in a public company. When you purchase a stock, you're buying a share, a small piece of that company's earning assets. So that when the company goes public, they go public, they want to raise funds, they go public, they offer shares to us, to the public, uh, that we can buy a stock or a small piece of that company's earnings and assets. And so that's when you are, that's a stock. So that's a security that you can buy and sell and you can buy based on your belief in the company's earnings and assets to increase. And then you can sell later if you, for whatever purpose, but if you believe that you no longer believe in the company's earnings or assets for the time being, you can sell and someone else will buy that stock. You can also purchase bonds and a bond is a loan to a company or governments. And when you purchase your bond, you're allowing the bond issuer to borrow your money and pay you back with interest. So bonds are generally considered, in, in most parts, safer than stocks. So if you see someone at the later point of their investment horizon, they're gonna maybe have their portfolio filled with more bonds because of that more than that, that kind of set interest repayment plan based on credit quality, obviously. But you know the primary risk in a bond is that the issuer, the person that you are borrowing your money to can't pay you back. So, you know, if you have a bond that has, you know, a credit quality, a high credit quality company or government, the interest rate's going to be lower. If you're dealing with, a, you know, a lower credit quality company or a government, the interest rates will be higher. So that's a bond. You can also buy a mutual fund. So the idea with you know mutual funds is the idea of picking and choosing individual stocks and bonds. Maybe not what you want. So most people in the country, I would say, have some sort of mutual fund through their 401k plan, their retirement plan. They have a mutual fund. A mutual fund allows investors to pool your, or purchase a large number of investments in a single transaction by pooling your money with other investors. And you can most some mutual funds are managed, uh, but they pool your money with other investors and they allow for the, a little bit of a strategy that can be managed and allow for maybe a little bit more safer investment than picking individual bonds or stocks. You can do the same thing in a, in a similar sense, kind of with ETFs. The ETFs, they track a benchmark or index and they're aimed to mirror that benchmark or index. So if we talked about earlier, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, the Dow Jones, those are indexes and ETFs can track. You can buy an ETF that tracks the S&P 500, that tracks the NASDAQ, or that tracks the Dow Jones and they trade like a stock. So you, they trade like a stock. So you have the ability to buy and sell during the day. They trade like a stock and these ETFs pool, they, they track a certain index. They're meant to be cheaper than mutual funds because they're not actively managed for the most part. So those are kind of the four basic securities that you would want to be familiar with when you're thinking of stock market 101. We talked about first and foremost, what the stock market is. We talked about secondly, what the exchanges is, the kind of the marketplace. And then we also talked about what securities you can invest in 
and what they mean. Uh, so we are, that's part one. I think we're going to dive a little bit deeper in part two, uh, but I hope you enjoyed that. Um, next coming up, we have someone that I've known for over a decade. We went to school together at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. Shout out to everyone that went to UNO. I'll be back in UNO speaking to the Maverick Investment Club on February 24th, 5 to 7 p.m., if I'm not mistaken. Maverick Investment Club has some great things I'm going to impart, uh, some wisdom I hope to impart on you guys uh, February 24th at UNO. But, you know, Craig is someone that, one, longtime friend, I, I think he'll tell you, he'll be the first to tell you I've destroyed him on the basketball court many times, many, many times. Um, so so he's going to come in and talk about a little bit about his career path. He has a great career path. Uh, Craig has actually, you know, has a great, great career path working in, you know, as a someone that oversees uh, some business and he's done a lot of things with investing. He's always been someone that's thought ahead um, and, and the way he's employed his strategies for his family on the personal finance side is something to be admired. And he comes, he'll come in and talk a little bit about that, as well as um, some of the new things he has going on with Mary Mountain's Cookies and, you know, so a, a franchise uh, cookie shop that, they, that him and his family have opened. So great, great advice, and I hope people enjoy what he has to say. So one, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Um, we've known each other for a long time, and, you know... I have a quick question. Do people in Omaha still call me the LeBron James of Omaha? Um, I haven't heard that in a while, <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> they saw what I did on the basketball court at University of Nebraska Omaha Rec Center. And I feel like they called me the LeBron James. There. Is that is that true? I thought that's what they called me. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> I don't know if you called yourself that or <laughs> if it was somebody else. But, yeah, it might have been LeBron James of the Rec court not maybe <laughs> nebraska but <laughs> yes yes well i mean we went to school together so i really saw a lot of things from you one thing i really really liked was the fact that you were someone like me that thought 10 steps ahead you were always talking about businesses when we were in college you were always talking about things you wanted to start and not a lot of people think five ten years ahead um and so i really really respected that about you and also the fact that you actually implemented those things you weren't someone that kind of just like talked about it you actually wanted to put plan to action even back then. And sometimes I'd be like, man, I really didn't know the steps. You were kind of like someone that wanted to do that. So, well, you know, first of all, congrats on kind of the great career you've built for yourself. Um, so after Omaha, kind of walk me through what you've been doing after graduating from UNO. I'd love to hear, you know, kind of what the steps you kind of took to, to get where you're at right now. Yeah. Um, so went to UNO, you know, that's where we met each other. It's been about a decade, a little over a decade, probably. Um, since we've known each other, um, I guess I got a, my accounting degree from UNO. Um, one of the reasons I focused on accounting was, um, being able to understand, um, the numbers, um, when you own your own business or you're starting your own business, you know, so you can make, make good decisions and you can plan, like you said, five to 10 years out and you have a really good understanding of what's going on behind the scenes. Um, after I graduated, uh, I took a job with a software company. Um, I kind of dipped my feet uh, in the sales world. Wasn't exactly sure where I wanted to go, how I wanted to use my degree. So kind of took the first job that was offered, you know, the, the thing that huge when you're running a business or, or your own 
you're on a senior senior leader type level, um, you have to be able to understand the accounting and the finance piece. And so that was what kind of drove me to go down that way, you know, push myself to to graduate with an accounting degree. Um, and that ultimately led me into the position I'm in now as vice president of operations for a uh, for a manufa- food manufacturing company here in Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, that's that's actually really wonderful. So, yeah, to, to vice president of operations, talk to me about that. Like, what do you do in your current role, and and kind of like what is the kind of the day to day slash the big picture current role. Yeah, well, we're fully staffed. We have about 80 people that are in the facility that I manage. Uh, there's two facilities that are under, that I have to manage. One's in Eustis, Nebraska. Um, one's in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, All together, there's a little over 100 people. Um, I've built a really good team um, around me to help support me. Um, I rely on them heavily, and they give me feedback. Um the one of the main goals that I have is to really rely on my team and give them the give them the opportunity to voice their opinions and make us successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be able to do it without them, um, and I tell them that frequently. I think that's a management um, style that works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody you know, in previous employment opportunities I've had. You know, you can have a micromanaging manager and that's not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think in the short 10-year career I have and where I've gotten, I think I've learned a lot from the three or four different bosses I've had mm-hmm. in the past um, and really tailored little pieces from each one of them into my management style. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's important that, build a team you can trust yes give them chances and let them prove themselves and don't stand over their shoulder i mean there is a there is a place for that like right when you hire somebody getting them into a groove and helping train them you know being there's a difference between being a micromanager and supporting someone and getting them to where they need to be so um you know i'm not perfect when it comes to that but i i definitely I definitely try to do my best to to push people in the right direction and give them the the resources they need to be successful because if they're not successful, I'm not going to be successful. So I have the philosophy of as you continue to grow, bring those people up with you. So, And then is that since you're a pretty young guy, we're the same age and you kind of mentioned a team of 80, has that ever played a part or has that ever – um, been something that you thought about or, you know, worried about when you first started kind of managing a team? Um, well, I'll go back to the, so the team of 80, I have a lot of people that work on the production floor. Um, mm-hmm. so I try to get out there the best I can and say hi to everybody. Um, mm-hmm. so I would say there's probably, there's probably 10 to 12 people that I deal with consistently on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that's the core team, but a lot of, those other individuals that that make up the 100 plus employees that we have report it's through a hierarchy they report into those other 12 got it um so but i do try my best to because everybody knows everybody it's a small group you know 100 people's a lot but but it's still small so everybody everybody knows everybody's name um 
So still getting out in front of people having conversations and um, just letting people know you care. You know, I think one of the, the coolest lessons that I've ever learned was um, watching um, watching an executive vice president walk down onto the customer service floor where everybody's on phones. And, you know, sometimes those people don't get the attention because now we're answering mm-hmm. phones and taking, but you got to realize those people are the, 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 the first person a customer talks to. And so mm-hmm. it's, there's a face of the company, you know, the executive, the CEO might be the face of the company. You know, you kind of built up a career for yourself. Um, what were kind of the personal finance lessons that you employed, maybe from family, maybe from reading, maybe from UNO, our school, that you kind of took to begin your career? Because I know you're pretty diligent and you've done a great job with that. Like, what are some of the things that you would tell people when it comes to their personal finances and starting out their career? Um, well, I'll go back to kind of what started me on the journey of, you know, preparing for retirement. Um, like everybody else, I'm sure everybody wants to retire by the time they're 55 or even earlier. Um, Mm -hmm. one of the, you know, through reading, having discussions with my parents who, who, who have done this, you know, and that your parents are a great resource. Um, even, even if you can find a mentor that's older than you, that's helped you in your career and Mm -hmm. ask them what they've done to prepare or ask a a financial advisor, you Mm -hmm. know, I think that's a a resource. A lot of young people are kind of like, I don't need a financial advisor, you know? And then by the time they hit 40, they're like, Oh shit, I should have had one. I have to interject. I literally run across people and and it's financial planning, right? They think, Oh, you know, wealth planning, financial advising just for wealthy. It's no, it's financial planning to get you to the point where you are sitting, you know, you know, where you're sitting comfortable. So I think like great point there. Young people should employ that at an earlier age. You know, one of my clients, started doing it as soon as she left college and, and she's really sitting in a great position now in her early thirties. And it's just really because she took the time to, like you said, speak to someone early on, but I had to cut you off for that. <laughs> yeah, no worries. And, and I, you know, when I was 18, I had the, you know, I had that same thought. I'm like, I don't need a financial advisor. Like what the hell, um, <laughs> what are they going to tell me? I don't know because I'm mm-hmm. 18 and I know everything type of thing. <laughs> uh, but that is not true. Um, one thing that I did do through learning, talking to other people is when I started filing my own taxes when I was 18, because um, that's always been something, you know, going down the accounting path, filing my own taxes and using, you know, when, when you're 18, just use QuickBooks. I mean, it's easy. Yes. Go get the free QuickBooks or do it online and learn how to do it. Um, cause if you can understand that you're going to be better off. But one of the things I did is, you know, I went down there and I was like, a Roth IRA, how's that going to help me? And then I realized, well, shoot, I could put 5,500, $5,500 in my Roth IRA every year at the end of the year for tax mm-hmm. purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started doing that when I was 18 mm-hmm. and so I'm 29 now. So for the last 10, 11 years, I've been putting 5,500 bucks away every year in my Roth IRA. Wow. So, you know, I've been doing that and I've been pretty vigilant about doing that. Um, you know, now that I've gotten married and I've shared that with Carly, my mm-hmm. wife, um, we've started doing that as a group now. So we're getting to put away 5,500 each. Mm. So that's a really big thing. And um, so, you know, having those conversations with your partner or your wife or husband, um, you know, you got as a team, that's one thing we'll get into it later talking about, mm-hmm. 
marriage, kids, and things like that. Saving sometimes we can put that fifty five hundred away because we've realized the importance of that and yeah, and taking advantage of it. Um, so I love you know, that. I love as that. a as a younger person or somebody that's married or even if you're older, take advantage of it because I think once you hit fifty, I think it's fifty five. You get and you can accelerate that to I don't know what it's at now. Yep. It's six thousand or sixty five hundred. Yeah, you have about one thousand uh, acceleration, and then also you guys can now put six k away. Uh, so six six thousand. Um, um, I, I would think when you started it was fifty five hundred, so now we're at yeah. six thousand. So that's great, though. That's a great job of employing plans. And I talked to a couple, you know, my friend who's a pharmacist in, in South Dakota, and him and his wife implemented a great plan when they got together and said, "Hey, this is what we're gonna do." Let's stick to it. And it works. It works for people once you guys are in the same mindset. I guess, you know, now you have a young one. And how old is Bodhi? Uh, he's eight months. Wow. So. That's super young. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm, I'm helping my friend with a six-month-old puppy. Is that similar? Is, 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 no, no, no. Well, they both, they both go to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> when, when you don't want them to. So. so talk about that. Like, how did that just uh, you and Carly's plan and and what have you guys has anything changed as far as the plan did you guys have to adjust or what is what has kind of gone on when you you introduce uh, a newborn into the family um so we brought Bodie in uh, into the family um Carly and I had a discussion and we thought it would be a good idea for her to stay home for the first couple years take care of Bodie uh, I think that was really important for us to mm-hmm. connect with Bodie and, you know, really bond with him. And Carly's a teacher. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's really awesome that she's able to stay home with him and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, kind of teach him, teach him right from wrong. And then yeah. I can come home and be the, the fun guy, you know, <laughs> um, but no, it's taken some more planning on our side because um, for the next one to two years, we're going to be a one income family, yeah. which is a little bit different than most families. I think the trend over the last 50 years is you've seen, you see a lot more um, couples both working yes. and daycares, daycares, a bigger, a bigger thing now than it was even probably 20 years ago exactly, or yeah. 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, but so, no, we've had to make some changes financially um, to make this work, you know. So that means, you know, putting a budget in place and cutting back in certain areas. Yep. Um, but, you know, we, you might cut out going out and eating, cut back on that, cut back on doing some of the other fun stuff you did when you didn't have kids. But, you know, it's all worth it because now you got a fun one at home. And, yeah. You know, you liked going out and playing basketball on <laughs> Monday night, but I just have fun coming home and playing with Bodie now. Nice. So, I love that. Yeah, priority shift, but it's all worth it. I love that. And then, is there stuff you're employing, you know, for him? I guess you know, five twenty nine, maybe or a custodial in, individual investment account. Or I know, you know, grandparents and and family members probably do stuff as you know sometimes to you know help out. But is there anything that you guys are maybe doing to to you know, start that process and think about it. You also mentioned another thing about daycare, which I want you to touch on. Did you guys weigh the cost of like, okay, daycare, I know the prices, prices are rising. I don't have kids, but I, I hear from friends that it's like, you know, what, 20, 30,000 a year, 40,000 a year. I don't even know. But did you guys weigh that in when you were making that decision or how did that come across uh, the mind? Yeah, we did. So we kind of weighed in, you know, if 
Carly was to continue to teach versus um, stay home. So we, you're going to continue to teach, send Bodie to daycare five days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, the cost of that versus um, the cost of um, not sending them to daycare. Yeah. And then we, so we played that out in our mind and, you know, there's, there's some stuff that you can't put money, you can't attach money to. And yes. it's like the fact that Carly got to stay home with Bill, stay home with Bodie and, yeah. um, you know, the luxury that is. And so, you know, there might've been, there was probably a difference. Yeah. We would have had more income if she stayed teaching it a little bit. It wouldn't, you know, the difference between the cost of daycare and, you know, her staying and teaching and income, but was that extra income worth, worth her not staying home and building that relationship and, yeah. you know, us having the reassurance that Bodie's with somebody we can trust. Of course. No. <laughs> yeah. <that's>... Yeah. So <laughs> that's priceless. Um, so, you know, we weighed all those factors and we ultimately decided that it was best that Carly stay home and, um, yeah, but it just goes back to having, being able to plan, um, having a budget in place. Mm. And so I love that. Yeah. And then we're switching gears. So you're a busy man. You have a career, then you have obviously a family, which comes first. Um, and then you started with your family. Talk to you about, you guys started a, a cookie, you know, shop store, Mary's cookies, which, you know, when I, when you told me about this, I was like, wow, I didn't even know you were planning this, but you guys pretty much opened up your own cookie store, which I love cookies. I'm trying to get back in shape so I can beat you on the court when I see you next. Um, so <laughs> um, I need to understand how how did this come about? And please don't try to feed me this when I come to Omaha next week because I know they're amazing. I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna eat the whole store. I'm gonna make your revenue go up by you know a million because I'm just gonna go in and eat all the cookies. So tell me about Mary's Cookies and and how you went about uh, creating this. Um, so Mary's mountain cookies is a brand that started in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, I believe there's 11, 11 stores right now. There's one down in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, there's a few in Colorado, like Fort Collins. There's two, there's one in Denver. Um, there's some in Montana. I think there's one in Montana. Um, so this, it, this grant, this brand has been around for about 20 years. We've known Mary personally as a family friend for 20 plus years as well. Wow. Um, so we, we kind of kept in touch with her. Um, my mom has done some consulting work with her on her business side. So we know the brand really well. We know what it takes to make it successful. And so we kind of eventually bit the bullet and, uh, opened one up in Omaha. Mm. Um, it's been going really well. Um, we have really good traction with local businesses um, and just foot traffic, repeat customers, because it's a good product. People enjoy it. Um, but, you know, so we did this as a, as a group, my wife and I, um, and both my parents anymore. Mm. So, or, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. So it, we're going to, we do it as a team and we enjoy it. And it's going to, you know, a couple of years from now, it's going to afford us to do other things. So mm, I love enjoy it. it. I love that. That's awesome. And then, you know, that's one that's really cool. And it's been about a year or so since or how long ago you said, did you guys kind of kick off and, and kind of license and start working with, uh, with Mary's mountains? 
Um, so, you know, with any new business, you got to do the build out, find a really good spot um, where you're going to have high foot traffic. Um, so we're in an area called Rockbrook in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, we opened in the end of September. So it's been about five months, um, but it's we've been planning and getting things ready for about January of 19 was when we really started putting stuff down on a piece of paper and getting things set up. Yeah. Um, we did an S corp. So, um, getting everything set up with that and getting all of our licenses, working with contractors and took us about from January to September. Got it. Got yeah. it. Um, okay. So, well, well, thank you for that and continue success to, to the store, to the brand, to your family, uh, prayers and health to everyone uh in your family and out in omaha um okay yeah. this is gonna be I, I wanted you to know i want to know your super bowl prediction we got the chiefs patrick mahome boy um we have jimmy garofalo and the niners you are putting on the spot um who do you think is gonna win what's your prediction who do you have let's hear it i think it's gonna be a really good game um i think it could go either way i will say that if the 49ers get or if the Kansas City Chiefs get behind early, um, they're not going to be able to come back like they have in previous games against the 49ers mm-hmm. defense. So mm-hmm. I think if they get down, if they, if the Chiefs get down by 14 points, it's over, and mm-hmm. the 49ers will take it. But if they keep it close, I think the Chiefs win. Interesting. That's a good one. Way to straddle the fence. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have the Niners winning. You heard it from me. I have the Niners winning. Lyndon, you're going to owe me 50 bucks if the Niners win. Um, so, <laughs> but, man, hey, Craig, thank you for joining, man. Um, I'll be, you know, down in Omaha in uh, this month. But, yeah, thank you for joining. We really, really appreciate your insight. Um, again, continued success and in, in, in all that you're doing. Yeah, thanks, Dee. Yes.